Welcome back to MEP. Uh, this is a little bit of an unusual episode as it was from the In The Zone podcast. Uh, I just really enjoyed this conversation and I actually just love answering questions. So I wanted to share it here on my channel as well. Um, you can also find it on In The Zone and their podcast. But um, yeah, it's a really fun conversation. I got to speak on lots of things I've been into and learning about. And um, it was actually recorded before I really dove into light and learning a little bit more about hermetic stress specifically. So there isn't a lot of conflicting stuff, but I definitely had learned more when I recorded that short solo episode. But I hope you enjoy this one. Uh, It was super fun to record and enjoy. Welcome to the In The Zone podcast. This is where we explore the art of performance, the state of running culture, how to live a running lifestyle, and how running shapes us as human beings. But above all, it's our way to inspire and show you how to walk your own path in life. In The Zone is a network of self-reliant runners living life their own way. To us, running is how we connect to ourselves, others, and the mystery of life. We're curious where it will take us, what it will teach us, and whom we'll become. Running is our teacher, Running is how we live. Running is our religion. You can join the network by joining our Discord community to connect to like-minded runners. By immersing yourself into the In The Zone way through our podcasts and posts, or simply joining The Zone, our coaching program where we help marathon and ultra trail runners to do things they never thought they would. Whether that's performing at a level they don't know how to reach, or living a life of adventure they thought they were too busy for. You can find all details on our Instagram page at inthezone.coaching. And with that being said, I wish you a fun and insightful episode. Hi, Ryan Wilms. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm incredibly excited about today's conversation. Welcome. Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much for having me and I look forward to it as well. Yeah, I mean, I I was just talking to you right before we started to record this episode and you were like on my list of uh, guests I was most excited to have on the podcast like ever. And then one day I was brave enough to just send everybody an email on that list and then you actually replied and my heart, I, I, I mentioned it in reply. My heart generally skipped a beat uh, and I was like, what is <laughs> really, he's really coming on and Honestly, the reason I'm so excited to to have you on is really because somehow, I mean, I've been following you, been following you and what you do with uh, Mindful and June's program for for a while now. Um, And just the the content you share just resonates so deeply. And the second part of that is um, the way you share it and just the visual aspect of it and the way it just just designed so beautifully. Uh, at my worst days, it's like, shit, this triggers so much insecurity about the content I'm putting out. But on my best days, it's just like nothing but inspirational. And it's just so beautiful to watch. And I just love the zen and peaceful vibe that it just emanates. And it just really, each and every time I watch those those posts, I'm like, who is this guy? I just have to get to know him. <laughs> and... Um, so I'm just really grateful that we're going to have this, um, this conversation. With that being said, um, 
I want to stage the conversation a little bit because we only have two hours and like usually when I go into these podcast episodes I'm like uh, I, I come up with a list of questions and then I'm like okay this is like the plan for this episode but in, in your case because what we do at In The Zone is so similar by what we do or at least the impression I get from what you do with Mindful Endurance Program I'm like I can ask this guy like at least a hundred questions so <laughs> I just want to like let myself be guided by the conversation we're having. Just be open to what comes up, and just allow to follow my my curiosity throughout. Um, with that being said, I think it would be a really cool place to start, and really um, not just for the listeners, but also just for myself, get some kind of feeling for what you're currently uh, doing. Because if I'm looking at all the socials and all the different websites you have, there's like a bunch of things um, ranging from the Mindful Endurance Program, Holistic Coaching, you host a podcast, you host retreats, you do a lot of really cool collaborations, like I see you doing a lot of things with On. Uh, at the moment, you're a creative director in different areas and you train for triathlons uh, as well in the meantime. So I'm just curious, like, how would you describe what you do at this moment in your life? <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess that's a, it's always been a tough question to answer. I'd have to say, um, what I, what do I do? You know, is that like, what do I do for work? Is that, what do I do in my whole life? And so, and I think those lines have blurred more <laughs> yeah. and more over the last few years. Mm. Um, you know, as a professional, I guess I would still say I'm a creative director just because that encompasses so such a wide mm. variety of, things and topics and industries mm. even and so you know most of my career has been in in fashion and design and publishing and brand consulting marketing mm. you know every kind of facet of that and so that kind of carries over into what i'm doing now with mindful endurance program because i do really care mm. about what it looks like and what it feels like when somebody looks at it <laughs> and you know the visual sort of world i like to try and communicate through so that is like a thread that goes through everything and mm. and um mep mm. at this point uh includes yeah the, my podcast and retreats which i'm kind of building and developing um and and more workshops mm. as well either one-offs or a series things like that around la um mm. and then yeah i'm, I'm doing mm. consulting design work for other brands and um you know that space and last year last couple of years mm. i was doing i was really focused on triathlon and um diving in and that was you know i learned so much in there and really pushed myself and mm. um that's been a really interesting and exciting journey as well um but then on a very personal mm. level um mm. you know became a homeowner last year for the first time and had a baby eight months ago mm. for the first time and um, so lots, lots going on just across the board. And, and then the last couple months I've mm. been actually navigating quite a deep burnout, adrenal fatigue experience. So mm. it's been mm -hmm. very challenging, but also learning mm. a lot and kind of coming out the other side of that, mm -hmm. um, which has been, you know, every mm -hmm. challenge is always, there's an opportunity to learn. And I feel like I've learned a lot through mm -hmm. this challenge, but I'm also ready for a little <laughs> bit more smooth sailing. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that that makes total sense, and I'm sure we're gonna hit on the that challenge that you just described um, through, throughout this episode um, because I'm re really curious how that is uh, really 
crystallizing and all the insights you're, you're taking away from that. Um, because I think one of the things I find really insightful about that is that you were on a pretty, I would say, you were on the trajectory of, of cultivating a lot of self-awareness before you ran into the adrenal fatigue, I would say, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So it's like somehow, to me, it's like, and I think it's at some time, it might be even a pitfall for me. I would be like, well, now that I'm so aware of all these different levels of myself, it happens at the mental level, the emotional level, I'm much more aware of what go, goes on in my body. I would like say, oh, someone like Ryan would be completely immune to having some something like that, like that happen to him. So how, how do you reflect on on that in terms of how how has it helped you and and also how do you how does it sound when i when i like my assumption should could you ever be immune to something like like that however much self-awareness you cultivate yeah i don't know if you could ever be totally immune but i think you could get close Mm. to it i think and it's interesting for me being somebody who has really dove into this work the last six years or so, um, you know, there, mm-hmm. and, you know, like, like we said, I have a podcast and I coach people and, you know, I think they're, I mm-hmm. internalize an, an external perspective that I should be immune to this. I should be like healthy and fit all the time. And, mm-hmm. you know, oh, and so yeah. there was a lot of actual yeah. shame for me to accept the reality that oh. I was in this mm-hmm. kind of dark mm-hmm. place. And really what Mm. I found is that underneath all the awareness, all the lifestyle choices, diet, sleep attempt, you know, all of these things, our nervous system, which is really, you know, developed a lot in our first three years of life, you know, if that isn't Mm. really solid, then we're going to be doing all that other good stuff Mm. on a shaky foundation. Um, (laughs) And so mm. for me, when it was like having a baby and renovating our house and the challenges all of that brings up in relationship mm. while training for half Ironman and coaching a group to a half marathon mm. and stressing out about money, you know, it was just too much in the bucket, in the stress bucket. And because mm. of that mm. sort of mm. shaky foundation of a dysregulated nervous system, there's going to be a point of collapse there. And so on one hand, there's Mm. like an almost a shameful reality that I filled it up and overflowed and sort of had that collapse. On the other hand, I'm like, wow, Mm. look at how much I was doing and navigating, you know, my capacity actually Mm. is quite big, you know, to even get to that overflow point. Mm. And so trying to accept the Mm -hmm. reality of what is happening is crucial to doing something about it. Also being compassionate and Mm -hmm. somewhat gentle to myself. Um, But the end result is that I really dove into this really deep nervous system work and retraining and regulating. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely a work in progress, but I know I really started in kind of middle Mm -hmm. end of January and now it's middle end of April and really Mm -hmm. starting to notice quite a difference there. And I mean, I really got kind of like mm. broken down, I would say, in terms of, you know, I couldn't do anything. Mm. I could barely exercise. I Sleep was terrible. You know, it was wow. just a really tough spot. And so mm. 
learning the patience mm. of tending to that nervous system at the core mm. and then slowly starting to mm. bring things back in and build back up and yeah it's been uh it's been yeah. really eye-opening wow. and and kind of realizing everything mm. you know i was doing was to sort of create a sense of feeling safe a sense of good enough mm. and there's nothing mm. I can do to make myself mm -hmm. feel good enough. I just have to accept myself as I am mm -hmm. and allow that to be good enough. And so this shift mm -hmm. is like slowly mm -hmm. happening there. Mm. Beautiful. I mean, oh, there's so so many things I uh, so many things I, I want to ask about that because I feel like i mean we we coach endurance athletes um i mean i'm sure we both coach endurance athletes considering your your, your program is called mindful endurance program um and i feel at least for the people that we work with they have a tendency of being really high achievers of being really high performance and i feel um a lot of people have a lot of these balls up in the air they have uh, they have children, they have um, a high-paced career, they are doing those renovations, they they actually, they're doing a lot of very similar things to what you were doing. And so, I, w I wonder, what are those things that you started to notice where you were like, okay, I'm doing a lot, and it was like, it was okay before, but now I start to notice these symptoms, these things, and they it tells me that something's off, because this is not it doesn't feel sustainable anymore. Yeah. Well, I think one of the interesting things is as you sort of do this internal work, you know, really dive into your core wounds and your emotional state and your nervous system and early childhood development, you mm -hmm. know, that awareness continues to unfold. And mm -hmm. as you become aware of, let's say, you know, a very common core belief that I'm not good enough then all of the mm -hmm. things that people are doing to be good enough, it's like you can't use that unconscious motivation anymore because you become aware of it. And mm -hmm. so it becomes even more of a mm -hmm. sort of grind <laughs> and until you can make mm -hmm. that shift, you know, because so mm -hmm. many people, some of the greatest athletes, mm -hmm. these high achievers, you know, the type A CEO triathlete, you know, it's, mm -hmm. they're trying to prove mm -hmm. to themselves and the world that they are good enough generally, <laughs> like a lot of the time. And if mm -hmm. you maintain a healthy enough lifestyle and you're not aware that that's what you're doing, you know, you can do that for quite a bit of time. Mm -hmm. You may mm -hmm. have, you know, yeah. parts of your life not going so well. You may eventually have health issues from kind of suppressing the, the the emotions that are like really needing to be expressed because of that you know core belief but you know a lot of people can sort of get away with it to some regard or at least for a long period of time mm -hmm. and i think it's like this breakdown mm -hmm. of this sort of emotional unconscious construct while still trying to do these things there was a like a real juxtaposition there in a way and it just didn't work mm -hmm. anymore. Um, I was doing my, the last triathlon I did mm -hmm. was a half Ironman in December. And about halfway through the bike ride, I was mm -hmm. like, okay, let's, uh, what's going on here? Like what's going on inside, you know, hmm. you're out there for a few hours. Mm -hmm. And so there's a huge opportunity to, to look inside in those endurance events, which I really appreciate. Mm -hmm. 
And by the end of the race, I was like, mm-hmm. I can't do this anymore for the reasons I'm doing it, which was to mm. prove that I am good enough mm. to myself and to the world, you know? Mm-hmm. And so mm. there was mm-hmm. a piece in that. I could put that aside and put that down um, and still kind of look mm-hmm. forward to the future of, okay, what would it be like to, to express myself through triathlon to see what I can do mm-hmm. rather than this kind of unconscious belief mm-hmm. that's driving it. And, um, so, you know, that's mm-hmm. kind of like mm-hmm. what I feel optimistic about dipping into in the future. Uh, I, I've been mm-hmm. kind of describing it as like mm. this old system is like fueled by coal. It's like a furnace where you're shoveling coal into it, mm. you know, it's not really mm. sustainable. Um, mm. and so it's like, all right, I've tried to like move the system <laughs> over to like a wind and solar system, which I imagine being more fueled by self-acceptance and love, you know, allowing and accepting being mm. in real connection with wow. people mm. and then being like, okay, I'm going to mm. train for a race to see what I'm capable of, you know, and enjoy, be present with mm. it. Um, and not be, you know, mm. somebody be like, Oh, you did great in that race. And then my response is, yeah, but like the professionals are way faster, you know, <laughs> like it's, that that's one good yeah. like, little like thing that we can use. Like if somebody gives us a compliment, can we really accept that and take that into our body mm. and tissues and mm. be like, Oh, thank mm-hmm. you. Or are mm-hmm. we saying, yeah, but mm. it could have been better, but it's not as good as that. You know, mm-hmm. like that would be a great, like mm. if you're doing that regularly, mm. then, you know, there's something that there's a thread to pull mm. out there. Mm. Is that, is that, one of the examples how you became aware of it because if you describe it it's like uh like even if i look at myself i mean i was also a lot of the things i was doing i was in engineering in the past before i came into into running and coaching and all these things uh that's exactly what i was doing i was trying to have the career abroad as fast as i could and then uh, if you would have told me at the time like you shouldn't do it to prove yourself and I was like, yeah, of course you shouldn't do that, but that's not what I'm doing. So yeah. like, it's it's an obvious thing when you realize it, but it it takes a, it took me a while to become aware of it. So what was your process to actually become aware of that? Because again, you were doing a lot of this work about self-awareness way before you went through uh, this this phase. So what what that what did that look like to you? Um, how did you become aware of that, the pattern of the proving? Yeah. I mean, it, a lot of work for sure. And I think that there's so many layers to this experience Mm. and to our awareness. And, you know, it's kind of like the, the Russian dolls where it just keeps going and going and going. And so I've had Mm. that experience where, Mm. you know, I remember my dad telling me, you know, not to work so hard and take it easy, you know, 10 or 12 years ago. And Mm. I'm like, no, like, why would I do that? Mm. You know? And then I did get to the point of like, (laughs) crap, I need a vacation. You know, I need to like take my foot off the gas here. And Mm. when Mm. I, um, so when I left Mm -hmm. New York in the end of 2017 and that's when I was really like, okay, I'm going to like look under the hood here and see what's going on emotionally because I was having a lot of physical issues and no cleanse or, you know, meditation Mm. was really getting to the core. I was like, okay, I'm leaving Mm. New York. I'm quitting all this like high intensity work, this big crazy city. I'm going to take some time. I did some retreats Mm. and really started like pulling back some of those layers. 
but only mm-hmm. in time and with doing so much work did I realize the same unconscious motivation to prove myself in a career in fashion and in New York mm-hmm. I was using to mm-hmm. do you know the mm-hmm. inner work as well and it was like I'm going to do that mm-hmm. just as intensely mm-hmm. to then be good enough just in a different <laughs> roundabout way you know these yeah. like these wow. unconscious things are so yes. sneaky in the, wow. the mind and the ego mind are like shape-shifting yeah. all the time and so it took me a long time yeah. to even like wow. accept that I might not think I was good enough you know <laughs> like a long time and like many plant medicine ceremonies many sessions with therapists and um it was like oh wow, wow. and then like to reckon with that, you know, those, those types of like big pieces of ourselves, you know, and there can be many of those along the way. Mm-hmm. It's like, Oh, there's like a sadness that comes with that. And also like a relief because it's like, finally yeah. you are accepting some part of yourself and mm-hmm. now you can do something about it. Mm-hmm. But what is the motivation to do something mm-hmm. about it? You know, is it to get out of where you are right now? Because mm-hmm. that situation isn't, good enough or mm-hmm. pleasant enough or <laughs> can you accept where you're at and know you know this journey of mm-hmm. life is like constantly evolving and there's no um mm. no end to really the unfolding mm-hmm. mm. yeah it's it, it's it's so fascinating i mean i i i can totally see uh, there's like I, I even suspect myself currently to fall prey to many of the things that you're describing as well. I can totally relate to the shape shifting of the of the ego. Like I, I've, I've recently together with my girlfriend, we started to do an exercise where we we practiced dropping judgment for a day <laughs> or three days, I think it was. And I was like, well, that's not going to be hard. <laughs> I'm meditating so much. I'm so spiritual. <laughs> And then only one hour in the exercise, I was like, oh my God, it's actually, I'm doing nothing but judging. It's like, it's just different. It's just different. And I could tell the moments I, I was like, oh, I, I sustained from the judgment. It's like, all of a sudden I got hit in the heart much more frequently. Like all those uncomfortable sensations that I didn't know the judgment was trying to protect me from just they went like straight to my heart and like to your point i don't know it's it's not the exact same as you were describing with the sadness and the relief all of a sudden it was like ooh, just tears started welling up because i got like i couldn't judge so it was like pooh it all like entered so much harder but anyway my point is i just recently discovered that i yes uh, my ego has taken a different form and now i judge people probably because they're not spiritual enough or not uh, self-aware enough and all these kinds of things so yeah it's it, it's definitely uh definitely an ongoing practice so it's uh it, it's good to hear you just describe your own your own journey and, and and to yeah just to i don't know just always feels a little better if you're not alone in the, <laughs> with, the, oh, yeah. with those kind of patterns yeah i think the yeah. judgment piece is is super interesting and it's obviously extremely common right and like you said it's a form of protection mm. And unfortunately, Mm. it's also very isolating because by judging, you're creating separation, Mm. me and them, 
right? And it's like mm-hmm. that creates isolation. Mm-hmm. So you're not in connection. And so it's keeping you mm-hmm. safe in a very mm-hmm. sort of immature way. Mm-hmm. But it's also, mm-hmm. you know, keeping us blocked for what we ultimately want, which is like deep connection mm-hmm. with others. And I had yeah. this experience yeah. when I started doing this work and meditating, meditating a lot. You know, I was like, okay, I'm not going to judge others because I was very judgmental, you know, <laughs> being in the fashion industry mm-hmm. for years and years. <laughs> it's like a huge mm. part of it is like judging mm. what's good and what's bad and who's mm. not good enough and <laughs> what's, what's better mm. than, you know? Mm. And I made a, it was a painful mistake in some ways because I stopped judging others, mm. but I wasn't not being judgmental. I just turned it all inward on myself. Mm. And so, oh, wow. you know, similar to anger in a way, it's mm. not good to mm. judge others and mm. take like unconscious anger out on others. Like that's hurtful for the world, mm. for a community. And um, at the same time, it's almost better to do that than to internalize it all <laughs> because that is like a huge way mm. to cause, you know, unhappiness, sickness, <laughs> suffering within to turn all mm. of that in on ourselves. So, mm. you know, something I try mm. to like, that's like a pothole I try to point out to a lot of people is like, yes, we don't want to be judging others, but really oh. don't want to just turn all of that in on ourselves. Mm. 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 so how how would you recommend people prevent that from doing i mean i definitely can relate to the anger i only started releasing anger actually at the end of last year and i did not realize how much i had of it i thought i wasn't an angry person but i have tons of it um so i'm I'm really curious to hear what kind of recommendations or advice you would have to not internalize judgment or, or anger Yeah. And I think a lot of the time judgment can sort of be a manifestation of that anger energy or frustration energy and Mm. anger, Mm. you know, it gets a very bad rap, right? Like it's not good or safe or Mm -hmm. cool to be angry. Um, It's not Mm -hmm. helpful. It's kind of like the sort of stigma that it gets, but it's just an absolute core Mm. human emotion. And ultimately it's just Mm -hmm. energy moving through our body we've like made up this word called anger that Mm -hmm. we've put on it and then that word has got a bad stigma over Mm -hmm. years and um so (laughs) it's like what if that was just energy and all energy needs to move right so it's Mm -hmm. like let's try and embrace that and Mm -hmm. so for me that's been Mm -hmm. a really challenging emotion to be in contact with because i've really like buried it Mm -hmm. it was never something i was allowed Mm -hmm. to experience or express or feel um, Mm -hmm. you know and unfortunately that can create a lot of um, like dysregulation in the system as well so it is super important to accept Mm -hmm. as a human being i'm going to experience anger be that through frustration or judgment or any of these kind of like sub descriptions of anger and okay how can i work with that and so like the most important way or crucial way is like when you feel it to allow it to move, you know, because we can Mm. try to tap into it and do practices on our own schedule. But ultimately it's like when that energy arises, Mm. can we ride that wave in a way that it is Mm. not 
harmful to anyone but allows it to move and you know mm -hmm. so that can be through you know screaming or yelling in a pillow it can be through journaling um it can be through punching a punching mm. bag but it's got to like come up and flow organically mm. is the most important thing for mm -hmm. me as somebody who like really suppressed mm. it and felt like so disconnected from anger you know first step was being like oh yeah i actually do have a lot of anger in me and and that's okay and mm. i'm allowed to be angry you know i can love someone and mm. be angry at them they're not exclusive <laughs> um so there was the, mm. there are practices i've done you know where it's like i'm just gonna do this practice and start to have a relationship with anger you know be it yelling f you into a mm. pillow five or ten times you know it feels very uncomfortable and awkward <laughs> at first but like in time it's like oh there's <laughs> like is. a lot of energy in here and i'm starting to feel mm. what that anger feels mm. like and and it's okay you know nobody mm. was hurt and i'm okay and i'm okay so just kind of practicing that mm. allows us to feel more comfortable with it and then when it comes up in our lives mm. finding ways to let it move mm -hmm. uh, because if we hold it in it's either going to hurt mm. ourselves uh you know ang suppressed anger mm -hmm. you know according to most of the trauma specialists is really the cause of cancers and you know disease wow. um, and things like that so it's super important to mm. not hold it in wow. and hurt ourselves but we also don't want to be mm. holding it in in a way where it becomes explosive on people around us often the people we care about the most so mm -hmm. yeah finding those methods mm -hmm. to yeah. move it and channel it um, mm -hmm. is, is super important mm. um, I'm also I'm in a yeah. men's group and I've been in a men's group for a few years and that's a really safe container where we can go mm. in and do exercises together and Mm. You can get sort of that triggered awesome. experience where it comes up and you can say something, you know, it's like the training grounds mm. almost to be able to mm. express some of that energy. Mm. Beautiful. Beautiful. Wow. Yeah. That's, uh, that, that, that's really just so, it's so beautiful to hear. Um, yeah. Again, I can, I can so much relate to that feeling so disconnected from, from anger, like hardly knowing, I don't know. I was like, uh, I felt yes the awkwardness everything you share about that I can I, I had it too like still screaming in my pillow is like who is gonna hear this what yeah. are the neighbors gonna think about me <laughs> uh, so I mean all those those silly things but yeah I, I can totally see how it can I mean it's a really really intense energy when I started channeling it it's only then I realized oh fuck there's so much power in this I cannot just yeah holding it in is, is not an option anymore even though it's definitely still a practice to to release it when it's when it comes up oh okay that was a really interesting um i i wouldn't even call it just an intro there was <laughs> there, there was a lot of interesting stuff in that already but i i want to be mindful of our time together and i i really want to get to a couple of uh, specific things i feel um the thing you shared about the call versus so coal as fuel which felt uh, not as sustainable versus the self-acceptance um self-love as fuel i feel hit so ho hits home closely so closely to what you're doing with map or at least the, the interpretation of what i 
uh, description I read from MEP, and I, I have it here because I don't want to like mess it up. Exploring the intersection of spirituality and sport through the practice of movement. Um, when you speak about using self-love and self-acceptance as fuel for your triathlon, then obviously a triathlon in that statement would be uh, symbolic for the movement and then uh, spirituality or the self-acceptance and um, self-love for spirituality. But I'm, I'm really curious, maybe that's just only one example. So if you would like just frame that statement more generally, like what do you mean by exploring the intersection of spirituality and sport through the practice of movement? What does that mean to you? Yeah, well, I guess I, I um, the way I like to sort of talk about it is like using sport and movement as a way into ourselves. Um, and I think, mm. you know, yoga is like a ancient technology, really, that has mm. been used specifically in that way to, you know, cleanse and clear the mm. system to unify mind, body and spirit and merge with kind of all that is one. And I think there is, you know, an mm. opportunity to start that journey through running and cycling and triathlon and swimming and, you know, really mm. anything. And so, mm. you know, mm -hmm. a lot of people are down to join a running club. They're not necessarily down to come <laughs> out to a park and sit in a circle and talk about their feelings. <laughs> There's a little bit more intimidation and wow, scariness yeah. to that. So I kind of use mm -hmm. sport as a Trojan mm. horse for that deeper emotional experience mm. and connection. <laughs> and, uh. you know, I've had these, you know, beautiful experiences like either in a race or just in a running group mm -hmm. where you're out running with strangers for an hour, hour and a half, two hours, mm -hmm. you know, you're hearing each other sweat, you know, each other are struggling, you make it back to the parking lot or whatever, you know, and it's like, you have this like beautiful primal bond with the other people because you've mm -hmm. gone through this physical experience together. You've struggled, you've, breathed you've sweated mm. you've maybe shared water bottles or mm. had to encourage one another at different times <laughs> and so then to like sit down together share that like talk about that experience what it was it like what did it feel like you know what where did your mind go you know um you know that mm. sort of you know and then using things like breath work or meditation you know practices in that experience too just really take all of that and like harness the richness of it and galvanize it. And it's not just like a sort of unconscious experience of like, Oh, that was a fun run. Mm. You're like, Oh, it was a fun run. Mm. And I felt like connected to my heart mm. because I bonded with this guy. And when he shared this mm. thing, it resonated mm. with me. And then mm. he, you know, cried and we hugged after. Mm. And it's like, there's this like mm. beautiful connection that mm. comes of that. And through that, in that sort of space, when you feel mm. safe and you're depleted physically, there's mm. an opening there to go into yeah. the emotional body, the mm -hmm. spiritual self mm. and wow. see like, Oh yeah. Like I have been thinking this and it's not true. Or this guy is going through the exact same thing as me. I'm not alone. Mm. You know, those sort of like very simple realizations mm. like in an embodied state mm. can just be so powerful mm. wow wow that's so cool that's so cool 
is that what you do then through the retreats and, and, and the workshops? Or do you also integrate, integrate that into more and longer format coaching programs, for example? How, how do you... Maybe I, maybe I can put it even differently. Are you then basically, is the essence for you capturing the sacredness of that moment after, to your point, the openness has been created through the physical activity and then capturing it in the retreat or, or the workshop? Or is it really, are you like informing these people this is going to happen after, or do they know what they're up for when they join the, the running group? Or do you really like just flow with it and then see what they take away from it? Um, I think it's more so that, um, you can't really determine what somebody's experience is going to be. So they're aware that there's going to be some mm -hmm. of these other practices alongside the running or cycling or whatever <laughs> it is, but like what is going to unfold mm -hmm. even for me is still an experiment. Mm -hmm. And the more I'm able to go into that open-minded mm -hmm. about what is going to happen for mm -hmm. everyone mm -hmm. and as a group, the better it is as well. So Yeah, it depends mm. on the, like, if it's mm. a one-off activity, you know, there can be some of that, but the more time, the more there is an opportunity to, you know, develop a, a deeper experience. I think for one, as, as individuals, mm. you know, if I go out to like a random, you know, workshop for one day for two hours, there's going to be a level of mm -hmm. safety that I feel, which allows me to open up more or less, mm. you know, depending on where I'm at. But if it's mm -hmm. every weekend for two hours for six weeks, you know, by that third, fourth, fifth, mm. sixth weekend, I'm going to have a level mm -hmm. of trust and feel mm. safe, you know, really unconsciously. Mm. And in that sort of nervous system level that allows me to mm. open up more and more. So, Beautiful. And, and in a retreat, wow. you know, you get that compressed into, you know, three or four or five days or something like mm. that. So there's really a, a powerful experience mm. there because you're just in that container for, you know, uh, mm -hmm. a specific amount of time, which encourages that, hopefully. <laughs> mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure. Um, how did you grow into the retreats? Um, well, you know, I just, I've, uh, been to a lot of retreats that are very much more like a yoga retreat or a meditation retreat or a plant medicine retreat. Uh, so it's, it's intense mm -hmm. in that activity and full on. And I think that's amazing, but mm -hmm. I'd also recognize it's not for everybody. And I also love running and mm -hmm. cycling in groups and, you know, doing that. So mm. to me, I was like, I just didn't see this mm. happening and it felt like a cool way to combine the two. Mm. And so it was mm. kind of as simple as that really, you know, it started with a couple of smaller sort of experiments mm. and series. And then it was just like, you know what, like this is, it sounds exciting to me. It sounds like it could be very cool. And so I've only done a couple and I've got a cycling retreat in July now, and then a running retreat in September And I'm going to be doing a series, which will be like every weekend for um, four or six weeks in L.A. coming up soonish. Mm. Um, so, yeah, mm. I, you know, it's playing. It's playing with this experiment, respecting, of course, like the the individuals involved. But, you know, I'm continually learning new 
breathing mm. techniques and and new meditation mm. techniques and mm. how can i bring those and cultivate this uh experience you know and li it's really listening and trusting intuition because you know you could be sitting there with 10 people mm. and being able to listen to the nuance of different people where they're at and like who really feels like they need to share something today you know and just giving them that really gentle nudge or the mm. permission to to open that up could change the whole course of a weekend you know mm. yeah that, that that makes a lot of sense i also uh i yeah i love i get i can ask you all of these questions because like Honestly, from the outside looking in, sometimes it seems like, wow, he's hosting these really cool retreats. So this guy must be, must be doing this for years and he has this big plan and all these, these things. And it's still like this very, like it's, yeah, it's at the same time, a very respectful, but also playful and curious mindset. And it's uh, just a continuous thing that it's, it just sounds like it continuously evolving, which makes, which makes so much sense. Um, it's something I have in everything I do with, with the coaching as well. There's like, sometimes I feel now, now I'm going to have to have the same coaching programs for, for a year now, but, but then it's like, yeah, how can they stay the same? I'm constantly picking up new things, learning new things. So it makes so much sense to change timeframes, change the pacing, change, yeah, the, the formats in which we interact. So it's, yeah, I don't know. It's, it, to me, it feel nat feels natural to, to change them all the time. And um, maybe they'll stay the same at some point. But it's also cool to hear that, that you are also just uh, continuously learning about yeah, how, to, how to cultivate such an experience. So mm -hmm. thanks for sharing. Um, where do you... What's the difference in terms of... So now you're referring to the retreats and, and, and the workshops, but you're also a holistic um, life coach, uh, if right? Yeah. Or is that how you would uh, frame it or explain it? Yeah, I guess I would. Um, so yeah. I, I worked and trained with a guy, Paul Check, and he has an institute called the Check Institute. Mm. And there's... Um, it's, mm -hmm. He's got a lot of amazing programs and some that are extremely holistic but he does have a holistic life coach specific mm. sort of pathway, which I think has three levels, I'm pretty sure. Mm. And so I took those first mm. two levels with him and worked with him one-on-one -on -one for two mm. years. And so that's kind of like the training and background mm. where I learned a lot of, um, you know, the tools and techniques and foundational education. And then from there, it's been building mm. on just everything I dive into in my own pursuit. And so that is a one-on-one -on -one mm coaching practice mm. with people and you know it's like a, mm. people in their early mid 20s to people in their mid 50s has kind of been the mm. range mostly men um mostly mm. people in mm. and around the creative field because that's i think <laughs> who i resonate with it's like oh here's somebody who's got a interesting mm. career in the creative space who does sport who obviously does like you know meditation mm. and breath work and so there's a there's a certain kind of group of people that generally feel called to what I'm doing and sharing I think and yeah mm. they, you know yeah. there's a three month minimum to start but it's usually a year a couple of years with people um, I don't want to do that mm. exclusively so I usually only have a handful of clients at a time mm. um, but it's a beautiful mm -hmm. experience mm -hmm. you know and 
again, listening and meeting people mm. where they are and trying to understand, you know, how much to tell them and how much to try to guide them to them, mm. you know, realizing it for themselves. And, you know, there's a lot of, mm. it, I kind of also view it as like working in, in parallels. So it's like, what can we do this week and this month? Like, do you meditate? Can we start meditating? Mm. How's your sleep? Can we go to bed earlier? What are you eating? Can we eat better? What do you, what's mm. your exercise and movement look like? Mm. How can we, you know, do some of those things? And then the other parallel is the deeper sort of what was your relationship with your parents like and what are those deep beliefs and, you know, mm. how safe are you and your nervous system mm. and sort of um, working on mm. those two levels I find is, is the best way to describe it. Mm. So, you know, there's change we can make mm. quickly and and have a positive impact. Mm. Yeah. And then we can also sort of mm. dive into the, the deeper stuff that will really make the big life uh, changes and deeper understanding mm. of who we are and what our mm. values are and, you know, what we mm. have been mm. believing unconsciously that might not be true and, you know, things like that. Mm. Beautiful. How, how do you navigate that telling people, well, it's not like you tell them what to do, I'm sure, but like uh, give them the more directive um, advice versus really guiding them towards their own knowing. Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's listening, listening and, and trying to pick up on what resonates with them or what they might need and mm. making a suggestion or an invitation and and honestly, sometimes, you know, people mm. are slow to maybe pick up a habit that they want to have. And so it is literally being like, <laughs> you're going to do this for the next week. And every day, time you do it, you're going to message me after, <laughs> you know, and like, that's very direct. <laughs> and, you know, they obviously have to agree yeah. to that, but that can be very beneficial too, yeah. to help somebody be like, okay, I am doing it. I have accountability. And as they do that, there's a mm -hmm. sense of empowerment and autonomy and, um, they just feel more, you know, mm -hmm. strong within themselves to do whatever the new next thing is too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that makes sense. I think one of the things I, I, I feel challenged by the most is when I, and, and that's really where, where I becoming aware of my own judgments, my own insecurities is like, I feel the, the most helpful thing I can do. But something I, I, I struggle with is when I see a client and we try to, uh, what's like the best way to put this? There's, it's, well, so one thing, it's really important to become aware of the projections I can make on clients. So it's, that's, that's a thing that I can, that I can definitely pick up. Sometimes there's just these things that I notice and I'm like, I kind of want to like explore this with this client. Is this really any truth to what I'm, the intuition I have here, or is this just a projection, projection for myself? And because like a couple of the things that I, and, and very specific examples is that if people go to very high paced lives, then I find it's oftentimes uh, interesting to just 
try to guide them back through how that feels in their in their body and really try to get them back on a spectrum of what it feels like to be relaxed and what it feels like to be really tense mm -hmm. some people are really open to that and they're really curious and they like they were like whoa wow i now i notice i get up in the morning i'm relaxed and i start thinking about this and brr. so they're like in a whole all of a sudden they start to pick up on on these things because they're much more aware of how their body reacts throughout the day some people um are just completely not interested in that or when we throw up the suggestion they are not uh, they just don't pick up on it which is well i would say which is totally fine i somehow know is that's totally fine but it's still it, it, it can trigger me mm -hmm. and then that's where because that's where my insecurity as a coach kicks in it's like well i think this is really important for them because i have experienced what it does to me for as an athlete to be able to relax and really create breathing space in my own life because it allows me to really absorb the training I do. Well, now they don't have this tool, they don't pick up on this. Oh, now what, what do I do? Because they really have this ambitious goal and, and then I get into my own head. Mm -hmm. But there's a part of me that knows that like, the, it's my job as a coach to really respect the client to go where he wants to go, where she wants to go. But how would you how do you navigate how would you navigate those kinds of situations in my place if I actually describe that situation clear mm -hmm. if uh, at all? Yeah, well, I mean, I does totally that question make sense? Yeah, it does, and I I definitely relate to you mm -hmm. in that mm -hmm. experience as well, and um, I guess so. You know, in that case specifically. Um, and my experience and what I've seen as well is like people are disconnected from their bodies. Right. And so that sort of pace of slowing mm. down, we are quite sort of not attuned to, you know, I like, I refer to it to the, as mm -hmm. the pace of nature, you know, cause like a tree doesn't rush, mm. uh, a flower doesn't rush. It just moves at <laughs> the natural pace mm. and our bodies want to do that as well. Mm but our minds have been like cranked up into hyperspeed through, you know, everything that mm. is stimulating mm. them. So we, you mm. know, a lot of people that have a hard time slowing down and myself included is because it doesn't feel safe to do that. If I slow down and don't do mm. anything, then I'm not going mm. to be mm. a, you know, accomplishing anything. I'm not being productive and on some level I've been conditioned that I need to be accomplishing, producing, achieving mm. to be okay within myself, mm. within the world. The other thing is if we slow down, you know, that discomfort arises kind of like you mentioned with when you stop judging yeah. all that stuff you've been kind of like yeah. holding yeah. at the dam. If we really sit still, Mm. quietly you know for even 10 or 20 minutes that stuff that's there is gonna start like coming up and we basically have learned our whole lives mm. to avoid that feeling at all costs you know mm. like mm -hmm. do as much as possible <laughs> not to feel those feelings and so it's almost life-threatening mm. to people you know because our that little in, yeah. inner child right that mm. little like one-year-old two-year-old that feeling is associated with being abandoned by our parents and that would mean that we would die. So really on a mm. deep level, 
it feels life threatening mm. to have to confront mm. those feelings. Mm. And so mm. my approach would be to start to cultivate a deeper sense of safety within that client mm. that might facilitate mm. the capability or capacity to slow down a little bit, you know, and it might be two minutes at mm. a time or something like that. Yeah. You know, or oh. I, and yeah. I have a hard time with this sometimes, but if a client I'll ask them, how are you feeling, for example? And they'll be like, well, I think in that and this person, you know, I'm like, how are you feeling right now? You know, really kind of mm. pushing them to just <laughs> be present with what's going on in their bodies in the moment mm. and mm. know like, it's okay. Mm. I'm here. We're safe. You're at mm. home or whatever, mm. you know? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it makes a lot of sense what it what it means to me really or what it just reminds me of of, of myself is, is that i and again that's where my insecurities kicks in is like i have lost appreciation for what it means like if i go back to my own journey i there was a time where meditating five minutes a day has genuinely just started a tremendous shift in my life and actually now that you just described the just even if it's two minutes, it's like, yes, even if it's just two minutes, it's like, I don't, they don't need to get on a meditation practice of 30 minutes a day for a month straight right away. It's, it's probably going to be traumatizing. <laughs> but, be, uh, yeah. So that, that makes so much sense. And also the sense of empathy that I just felt, but because of the way you described, like, it's not like the client is consciously trying to like, inhibit his own growth he's it's it's just it's generally terrifying like he like he doesn't like why am i asking this like it feels so uncomfortable stop asking me all those uncomfortable questions and yeah. having me do all these uncomfortable exercises and 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 that is just yeah it it makes 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 so much more sense it's uh, it feels so much more connecting uh immediately by just like envisioning that uh what that actually feels like, what it means when you start to walk on that, on that, on that path. So, um, yeah, that was a, a very uh, selfish thing to me to to <laughs> to intertwine in this conversation. But I hope the listeners found it uh, uh, insightful as well. But um, it, it definitely definitely helpful, definitely helpful for me. So, thank you so much. Yeah. Well, I think you know just to add to that, you, you know, somebody is you know yeah. they're hiring you, right? Like they're coming to you for this process mm -hmm. and work and likewise with myself mm -hmm. and so there is like a wise mm. self in there that is looking for guidance for this growth mm. and evolution and healing mm -hmm. and and yet the mm. sort of ego mind is at odds with that you know because that is dangerous mm. and life-threatening to this you know basically a distorted uninformed part of ourselves which unfortunately is running the show a lot of the time so it's like we know we want this mm. we know this is the right path and yet that little part of our mind is like mm. no 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 this is yeah. not safe you know and so it's f starting to have mm. that conversation mm -hmm. and you know we have to listen to that mm. that part of ourselves that's saying it isn't safe mm. it's like oh you know what like i hear you but like mm. trust me we're gonna do mm. We're going to answer this one question. We're going to meditate just today for five minutes. Like 
we don't have to commit to 30 minutes a day mm. for the rest of our lives because that sounds overwhelming and scary, but we can just mm. try five minutes a day, you know, <laughs> and sort of respecting that self-protective mm. voice or software in ourselves, mm. you know, because really it's there to keep mm. us safe. It just doesn't work anymore. Mm. 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 Is, is that how you also play into... I mean, to your point, yes, when somebody comes into a conversation like that and they know the kind of work you do, there's, there's already somehow an understanding in themselves that there is this gut feeling or this knowing, there know, this knowing in their hearts that somehow, even though it doesn't make sense for the brain and maybe the science isn't like completely clear and all these things or can't explain why it all works the way it does, is that is that where you tap into that or do you ever go into conversations of like you should listen to your heart because this or that kind of explanation uh, or does it, is there like this basic understanding usually before the conversation before the interaction starts that people know yeah I know there's this wise part of me and I know trusting it is probably a good thing um, yeah or do you ever get to like do you ever get the question should I trust my heart Yeah. I mean, I would say yes, directly and indirectly. You know, I think everyone I've spoken to mm. comes with a different level of education and awareness and knowledge around these different things. And like when I was saying, you know, we are disconnected mm -hmm. from our bodies, you know, and reconnecting to our bodies. That is, you know, reconnecting to our heart, listening to our heart, feeling we can... Mm stop mm -hmm. guarding our heart so much listening to our gut you know that sort of like mm -hmm. really innate mm -hmm. deep primal wisdom that is generally correct mm -hmm. if we're hearing that message clearly you know a lot of people say oh listen to your heart i'm listening to mm -hmm. my heart but then we're like translating our heart through our mind and it's kind of distorting the clarity of that mm -hmm. message um <laughs> you know one of the things i've mm -hmm. learned and discovered through the plant medicine ceremonies is the unbelievable mm. truth of the heart and how reliable it is. And so oh. in a day in my day-to-day -day life, mm. it's harder to tap into that, but I know that it's there and I know if I can, mm. it is, there is a truth to it. So there is a guiding um, back to that process. But like you mentioned, it's not like, uh, <laughs> you know, something that is uh, tangible in a way or, you know, five steps to be able to listen to your heart and trust mm. it all the time or something like that. <laughs> It's definitely a process. Yeah. Well, what does that look like? Uh, and when you refer to the plant ceremony, um, what was it that made it so clear that, such, there, that there's such a profound intelligence in what the heart is communicating? Well, part of the experience is, you know, a lot of these plant medicines like... Um, psilocybin or ayahuasca things like that they actually turn down a part of your brain that is that sort of protective you know ego defense mechanism um called the default default mode network or something like that and um so it allows it gives you much more access to the body and to what's going on mm. in your tissues and that mm. wisdom and so that's part of it And then also the medicine can just really like amplify those experiences. So for me, it was like, mm. you know, going into relationship, I was protected and, you know, 
had a guarded heart, I would say, from past, you know, breakups and, you know, a history of dating that obviously hadn't worked out. And so I remember very explicitly, like, going into this one ceremony after I'd been seeing uh, my partner now for six months. And it was like, whoa, I love her, you know? And, like, I, my mind could mm. be like, whoa, that's scary. But I could feel the love and the truth, like, in <laughs> my heart. So it was this funny experience of, like... Wow taking down that like kind of guardrail and really feeling how I actually feel about her mm. being like aware mm. enough to be like, Oh, that's mm. actually really scary. You know, that I now I have to tell her that, you know, <laughs> like wow. that's scary, but <laughs> I, like, it was very true. Like there was no question. The truth was like mm. black and white a hundred percent. And so I wow. think um, yeah. just time and time again, experiences like that where it's just like, this is what mm. I need to do. You know, Th that's kind of like why I took the life coaching yeah. and why I started a podcast. It came from clarity through those types of yeah. experiences where I'm like, this is what I need mm. to be doing. Like, and that sounds intimidating to start mm. a podcast and to launch a new career, you know, mm. that's outside of it's kind of starting all over again mm. in some ways. And, um, but once you have that clarity that comes from within, you know, you have no choice but to do it anymore. Mm. Yeah, but I mean, I'm really curious to hear hear your take on that. And maybe it's just, <laughs> maybe it's not uh, that a uh, crazy of an answer. But like to me, that's really like there's a lot of things I've started to understand about myself, like in terms of why I was doing what I was doing in the past and how all of these patterns that are constantly running the show and how I was just not even aware of them and then I became aware of them and it 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 all started to make sense why I shouldn't follow those old patterns anymore but then I I can heavily resonate to what you're saying about the heart there's something the kind of certainty my brain is often looking for is like it is just there it's like my my brain wants to like think about what my heart and my guts already know And it, because it really wants to feel that consistent feeling of, of knowing for sure. But it's just there. It's like I can't add anything to it. it it's just there. I need to leave my job. It's like it's, I can't like <laughs> go any way, other way around it. But it's, and that to me is like so freaking mysterious still. I find it still so bizarre that if you do something that is just so simple, like I listen to my heart and like, like, keep in mind i was a, i mean i'm technically still an engineer so i was like this has to like if you can't prove it it's bullshit <laughs> like i was really arrogant maybe i still still am but i really really arrogant in that sense and so for me now it's like it still doesn't make any freaking sense but i kind of basically surrendered to that set notion and i just like yeah, my life is like a hundred times more enjoyable i feel so much more open so much more love for what i'm doing so i'm not like i'm just going with it yeah but i mean have you have you through your experience been able to like <laughs> make any sense of why it works so well or are you just also basically well it works and that's good enough yeah i think there has to be some level of acceptance you know like our mind is a sense making machine mm. right and so and our culture really like mm -hmm encourages that so if you're an engineer scientist you know especially that's the case but 
you know, even just a mm. person who's in the creative field, like it's got to do that. Um, I had a bad habit of like, anytime I was mm. doing something fun and enjoyable, I'd try and turn it into a business. You know, how can I like make this into something I can sell? Oh. Right. <laughs> and it's like, that was a way yeah. weird way of trying to make sense and be like, okay, I'm not just having fun. I'm also making money from this. Right. Yeah. So it's okay that I'm having fun. Yeah. <laughs> And so, you know, my the, the example I always come back to is like, you know, everyone like science is like it doesn't exist unless you can prove it. Right. But like everyone accepts yeah. the reality that love is a thing. But where's the science yeah. on love? Where's the <laughs> proof of love? Yeah. That connects all beings. Mm. Right. And, but it's like we accept that that yeah. is that is true and mm. that is the reality. And, you know, mm. love, mm. you know, beautiful in the human experience is, you know, the center of that is the heart. So mm. it makes perfect sense, you know, mm. from that mm. way. But the mind is just constantly <laughs> trying to like make sense, rationalize, you know, but like mm. even thinking about like nature yeah. and like an acorn becoming an oak tree, like there's no scientist yeah. that has been able to... <laughs> create that sort of feat we can kind of understand like how that happens yeah. over time but it's so far beyond yeah really what we're capable yeah. of i mean a human being being yeah. conceived and growing birthed and living 80 years yeah. is like absolutely mind-blowing uh you know like yeah planet earth with yeah. all the stuff that grows on it you know including humans. It's just like, it's so far yeah. beyond the realm of like our mind's <laughs> yeah. ability to control something that I think there just needs yeah. to be like, yeah. Oh, there's something just absolutely amazing and magical and awe inspiring going on here mm. outside mm. of us and inside of mm. us. And part of that I think is mm. like the knowledge and wisdom of the, the heart and the body. Mm. Mm. Yeah, any anything you discovered on that, like, and uh, in, in, in the plant ceremony, like, when you, or I say plant ceremony, so, like, any kind of psychedelic experience you, you've had where you were, like, so so connected, perhaps, or tapped into how it's all, all of these things connect, uh, that you somehow started to make sense of, of how it all, how it is all flows? Yeah, I mean, I think to some degree, um, I, a lot of my experiences on mm. psychedelics have been very like inward and internal and like processing like my own mm. shame yeah. and stuff. I've had some experiences that are a lot more expansive and mm. creative, inspiring. Mm. And I look forward to more of that in the future when I feel like my nervous system can handle it. Um, but yeah, I think <laughs> just the, you know, it's hard to remember, but the gift of life, yeah. you know, the, just within the human body, like mm. we don't think about it and we are breathing, digesting, our hearts pumping, mm. we cut ourselves, it mm. heals. Like that is magic. Mm. That is unbelievable, you mm. know? And so for mm. me, like just being more connected to that, I remember sitting outside after mm. a ceremony and just being like, what are the chances that I'm alive on this planet and there's this huge ball of fire, the perfect distance from earth that it warms my skin, mm. gives me vitamins, 
makes me look a little more tanned and feel <laughs> a little bit better. It doesn't burn me to a crisp, <laughs> and I'm not freezing to death instantly. Like that in itself, I'm yeah. like, yeah. you know, these plants are like growing to it and like getting nourished by it. It's like, it's insane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it it is really insane. It it is it is it is yeah for sure insane. It's uh, it's it's something that it's. I used to be able to try to understand these things from like, um, yeah, from such a different angle. And now I'm just like, I just, I just almost laugh at it. It's like, how can I even start to, to try to understand these things? It's just, it's just beautiful. It's, it's what it is. Like, why do I need to understand yeah. it? So it's, uh, it's, uh, I enjoy it much more this way, but uh, still, sometimes I'm just curious. You never know. I run across, come across someone who is capable of explaining <laughs> everything, you know. So, uh, but yeah. So I just wanted yeah. to. Yeah, I ask. mean, I'm sure my answer will be different. Um, in 10 but anyway, years or that, something that, as well. Yeah. But I think. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Remembering that cool. you know our mind wants to make sense of stuff. Our like heart and soul, like we don't need to make sense of that sort mm. of thing, right? Mm. Just it is mm -hmm. what it is, and it's magical and amazing, and mm -hmm. it has been mm -hmm. happening for billions of years, yeah. you know. And we're just like a little speck, yeah. you know. I, mm -hmm. I think listening mm -hmm. to a lot more Alan Watts mm -hmm. and Ramdas has been beautiful for me wow. because they have such a humility, and there's a mm -hmm. sense of humor, and yeah. there's a combination of like mm -hmm. understanding, but also just appreciating the dance of what is happening and mm. the lightness of that. Cause like mm. a lot of this work can be very dense and dark and intense. Yeah. Um, so mm. bringing light to it as well, mm. I think is important. Mm -hmm. When you talk about the dark and dense stuff, is that really where you go into like just processing internal, internal wounds, trauma and yeah, go diving. I think that pattern. is part of it, but then we can get lost in that yeah. in our daily mm. life. Like, mm. Am I making enough money? Am I in the right job? Mm. I have to change mm. my job. Is this relationship good? Oh, yeah. Like mm. that person emailed mm. me 10 minutes ago yeah. and like, what the hell do they want? You know, like this, the minutia of the day can become mm. dense and dark. And then mm. if we aren't expressing mm. and feeling yeah. those emotions that come along with it, that gets embodied as a denseness, you know? So mm. it's a, it can be an intellectual mm. darkness, but mm. it can also be a very like felt experience, you know, of, our mm. world feeling mm. that way mm. when the reality is like it's expansive and mm. spacious and mm. can be beautiful. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's been a couple of uh, occasions where I, uh, or a couple of re references to, to Taoism. Yeah, like you were mentioning a couple things that sounded really poetic earlier, sound really uh, like Taoist wisdom. Uh, same when yeah, you refer to, to Alan Watts now, he obviously studied uh, Taoism a lot uh, himself. And uh, that's definitely something I'm, I'm really curious about because you also describe, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's also a map you, um, you describe that way, right? A way to the way? Yeah. Yeah. So that, that, that I mean, at, at least to me, that sounds very Taoistic. I don't know if it, it's any, there's any reference to, to Taoism in there. Yeah, 100% there is. Yeah. I mean, Alan Watts, I think, talks about, you know, the, the Tao that you talk about isn't the Tao right? Like 
It's mm. so the Tao mm-hmm. that you talk about is the way to the way referencing like what the Tao mm. is. So mm. that's why I kind of felt like what I was doing is like mm. a way to the way. <laughs> so it definitely is a Taoist reference. Mm. And Beautiful. It's something I've really gotten into the yeah. last year and a half only. You know, it's funny. I bought Alan Watts's book, Tao, The Watercourse Way five years ago. Oh, really? And I didn't read it until oh, yeah. a little over a year ago. And I was finally ready, you know, and oh, I think I'm reading it right now. Yeah, again. it's it's beautiful. Cool. Like you could read that book once a year for the rest of your life. And I think it would be well mm. served. But, um, you know, a lot of the Taoist sort of philosophy, I think, connects to that like heartfelt truth of the way things are. But it's very mm. juxtaposed mm-hmm. to the way our culture acts and the way that we're conditioned, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Wu Wei, mm-hmm. non doing, non doing, and like one of the the translations yeah. that has stuck with me really intensely is like when nothing is done, nothing is left undone. And mm-hmm. you know, so what does that mm-hmm. mean, right? Because the Taoism isn't about being lazy and sitting like on the couch and expecting everything is gonna unfold <laughs> for you. It's about going with the flow going with the feelings like allowing the Mm. pace of Mm. nature to take you rather than trying to force your idea of what the pace needs to be Mm. onto the world which is always going to be a struggle and so Mm. yeah there's for me it's Mm. been a personal like realignment to that and it's slowly moving that way Mm. rather than a black and white switch because it's so different than how I've learned to Mm. exist in the world. And, you know, it's the difference between doing and being, Mm. I guess I would say. Mm. 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 Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, a thing I might sound like a very different thing, but it it has to do with just the way you described it, the way you refer to the wisdom and the Tao and a way to the way. Um, the thing I've been struggling with, I think from a business side is that I have such deep appreciation or just appreciation and just fascination for um, this kind of wisdom that I, I also love writing posts like these. But the thing about posts like this is that they tend to sound very vague or it's like if you're not into this stuff it's like well it's it's already hard to make sense of it like make sense of it when you're into it like it's 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 you still can't can't touch it uh it's something that you kind of have to experience to kind of like make sense of it at all um and then i when i started to write these posts it's like i have a lot of fascination for it but at the same time i also find it difficult to reach people with it because it's um it's it just doesn't hit home it's like yeah okay effortless effort like pff, sounds cool but like what what do i do with it like how what does it mean in, in, in my life so i've this year um tried to shift more towards like really the the wisdom and the way i go about thing is really the thing i do for myself basically and it's what i almost do behind the scenes and try to be as clear in terms of like what it can mean if you try to go about things in a different way uh, what what does that mean in your life how does that change the way you experience life how does that change the way you look at yourself um so how do you experience that because i feel a lot of what you do is really more playing at that 
mysterious level, which I love because, but it's also because I feel I've, through my own experience, gotten a basic understanding. And that's why it's like, whoa, that's like why it seems so cool. But at the same time, I also wonder what's your perspective on making it more, more tangible and maybe more relatable for, for people. Um, how, is that a balance you make? And if so, how, how do you try to balance those? Yeah, that's a great question. And I do think it's a very hard philosophy and lifestyle, if you want to even try and use that word, to teach. Mm. So it's mm. something I sort of like share and drop little nuggets and encourage, I would say. Mm. But it's like... Mm. Thinking about like, you know, the creative process or sport, right? Like there's those moments where you're in a flow mm -hmm. state, essentially. Either creatively, mm -hmm. you're like connecting mm -hmm. dots, you're draw a line that's the perfect line, but you didn't try to draw the perfect line, you know, or you're on a run mm -hmm. and you're not thinking like, I got to keep running. I got to keep running. Your body is just running. You're just expressing through your body. Mm. And it's like those moments are effortless, non-effort or non-effort, whatever, mm. whichever way you said it there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's like we are efforting, but not forcing, mm. right? So it's like mm -hmm. creating mm -hmm. those mm -hmm. conditions to facilitate that non-doing doing, where we are in fact mm. doing, we are in fact mm. Mm. exerting and efforting mm -hmm. but it's coming through us rather than us forcing it you know it's rather than the coal being shoveled mm -hmm. into the furnace it's the solar and the wind mm. that is like Beautiful. moving through us and so if i'm running sometimes mm. i'll try to be just like just let my body run just let my body run you know and almost have some kind of mantra mm. or mantra like that mm. where it's not like hold the pace keep fighting you know, it's just allow mm. running, you mm. know, and, and we do this naturally. Like I mentioned before, mm. our heart's pumping and we're breathing. We're like, our body is exerting mm. itself, but we're not forcing it. It's a natural alignment mm. at the pace of nature, you know, that we allow. And that is really, mm. you know, more of like, mm. I think where this sort of like Taoist, philosophy lives is in those spaces mm. where you know it classically yeah. in, in that flow state we sort of like lose track of time and you know our this focus meets mm. concentration meets allowing meets our whatever we're capable of is expressing and coming through you know it's like more of that mm. and if we're in a job we hate that doesn't happen mm. very often, right? If we're in a relationship that doesn't feel safe mm. and nurturing, that doesn't happen very much. But conversely, if we're in a job we are inspired by, if we're in a relationship where there is a exchange mm. of love flowing, those states arise when mm. we allow them, you know? And then it's, it's really, mm. Mm. you know, building the capacity for that, learning the tools to facilitate that, um, is kind of like what I think of mm. when I think of like MEP sort of trying to cultivate that state. Mm. Beautiful, 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 beautiful. So are you in, are you like trying to orchestrate any of these experiences or do you orchestrate is maybe even like not the proper way to put it. Like you just 
do you try to set the stage for those kinds of things to happen or you just like you see whatever happens um i it's kind of both i guess i mean just in terms of like the tools and techniques i have they are for creating that you know but can i create it like you can't be Mm. so definitive about it and it depends on like where you're (laughs) at you know when i'm in a state Mm. of kind of burnout and my nervous system is fried that Mm. is kind of out of reach but personally once Mm. there is more regulation on board you know there's more your your vision broadens you can see more experience more there's a opportunity for that to Mm. happen you know and like realizing Mm. it can happen in almost any almost anything that you're doing but there are certain things for certain Mm. people that facilitate more of that you know for me triathlon Mm. it can be either or Mm. because like i can watch a thousand youtube Mm. videos on run pacing transitions bike power output how what to fuel with when exactly how many carbs and how many calories you know and times and paces and all of this stuff so you can be in your head for five hours doing a half iron man and Mm. kind of have a terrible Mm. experience (laughs) or you can Mm. learn that stuff trust that you will know it during the experience and experience Mm -hmm. the experience while you're experiencing it you know so Mm -hmm. it's allowing that you know yeah so that that's one where for me it can go Mm. different ways you know whereas something like skiing Mm. i find it's just you're just skiing like i'm just skiing i'm not thinking about my time i'm not thinking about what sort of adaptation Mm -hmm. I'm getting from skiing on this specific run, you know, or anything like that. You're just like reading Mm -hmm. the landscape as quickly Mm -hmm. as possible. Unconsciously, your body is moving through space. Like, I don't know if that ski run took me 20 minutes or five minutes, you know, I just have no idea. Mm -hmm. And so, okay. Can Mm -hmm. I maybe go skiing more often? If that's one of the things that gives me that experience, um, you know, play Mm. is a part of that right so like we can have that experience playing with our children or friends depending on if we allow ourselves to play as adults so you know i think trying Mm. to make it easy on ourselves by recognizing which activities bring us more easily to those states and doing more of that is helpful and that Mm. can bleed into everything else we're doing Mm. but to sort of like take a taoist philosophy Mm. to a sport where it's you're over intellectualizing it, that will be really challenging. I think. Mm. <laughs> that 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 makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, uh, maybe let me quickly uh, turn the light on here because before I co- go completely black on you, I didn't realize that we would lose uh, sunlight around this time. So. Uh... probably not the prettiest kind of lighting but it's uh, it's better than not seeing me at all i hope yeah i, no. hope it is I uh better. i can relate when when um, we have evening calls here it gets it gets dark <laughs> yeah it does um you were just describing um 
of bringing the the Taoist uh, principle or the Taoist um, yeah principles to 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 triathlon, uh, and it, that it's difficult when you're really intellectualizing it. Um, I would. I'm wondering though, is that is that what you're trying now? Um, with experimenting, I mean, maybe not now, right in this uh, in the in this moment, but when you were describing that the the driving force behind you and triathlon uh, previously was uh, really fueled by trying to prove yourself, and now more so with the self love and, and self acceptance, is that are you are, are is that how you feel that triathlon is really like almost teaching you to move towards that more Taoist way of 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 experiencing the sport um would that be fair to say or do you experience it different i think i think it has brought up a lot of awareness around what i was doing why i was doing and you know even thinking back to mm -hmm. a race a year ago versus a race in december how was my approach different to that you know where was i at going into that and you know the going and doing my first half iron man it was like Okay, I had a goal in mind time-wise, but I also was like, let's just see what this is like. You know, I've done the training I've done, so let's see what this experience is like, mm. you know, and going into it with that curiosity and trusting that my body and mind will react as best as it can. You know, it's very different than going in and being like, mm. okay, I got to swim in this amount of time and I hate swimming. I just got to get the swimming mm. over with and then I can ride my bike mm. and oh, my feet going to be mm. too cold out of the water mm. and like I got to make sure I fuel at this time. And mm. so, you know, moving to the other option where it's like, um, you know, what is, what can this experience be like? What can my body do? What, how much can I surrender my mind to the experience of this? You know, and it is very much mm. a process of surrendering the mind mm. and trusting the, present moment mm. experience and following that and you know it's mm. it, it's tough in mm. some ways because when i really got into running was about mm. uh i want to say eight to ten years ago was when i first started like running after playing mm. you know soccer and basketball and i tore my acl and then got into running and you know i didn't even know how to use my watch It was like start and stop was the only way mm. I knew how to use mm. it. So like people would ask me what my splits are and I'm like, I have no idea. It's only like in the last year, I actually looked <laughs> up what my times were and I was like, oh, I ran like a 123 half marathon. Mm. That's like not bad, <laughs> you know? And like, <laughs> but like at the time I didn't even think about any of that stuff. I literally was just like mm. running how best I could run in the moment, mm. you know? And I find it's mm. so easy to get like hyper obsessed with data and pacing and training and heart rate and blood glucose and, you know, mm. a million metrics that we can like look at for that mm. stuff. So it's like finding the balance because now I'm aware of that stuff. Mm. I can't just turn it off and it is useful in terms of performing mm. at a higher level. Right. So mm -hmm. I'm at this point, mm. I almost had to like the last few months, surrender like i may never want to do triathlon again maybe it's it served its purpose in that part of mm. my life wow. and when i feel healthy i'll want to mm. start jujitsu or something who knows you know try to just be really mm. open yeah. to like what do i feel mm. called to do wow. and now i am starting to mm. feel excited about 
coming back to triathlon. You know, there is something about the sport that is, mm. it's bizarre. It's weird. It's mm. got so many different challenges in it. And, mm. yeah. you know, the different race distances also like are interesting and fun and dynamic in their own ways. So mm. I'm starting to be like, oh yeah, mm. I want to do that. I'm not done with this, you know? But how, mm. when I come back mm. to it, can I do it in a really healthy, fun way where uh, I'm like, oh man, I'm going to well, try this tempo yeah. workout, you know, and see what my body can do, knowing mm. that my nervous system is healthy enough that I can recover mm. from it and I'll be able to sleep well enough and I know what nutrition to mm. give my body. Mm. And so it's finding mm. that balance between like surrender to the experience and use your knowledge, mm. practical knowledge to, you know, support that. Mm. Mm. Beautiful, beautiful. I think one of the scariest things about surrendering, though, is really like, and I'm going to speak for myself. I mean, this is the exact practice I'm doing. But um, like, for example, last year, I um, I ran across the country, but for our country, Belgium, that's not as impressive as it, as it is for the United States. <laughs> but still, it was five days of a lot of running. Yeah. And um, I was constantly dabbling with the idea of like, how I'm going to go about this. I'm going to try to set out and, and just uh, be really scientific or like methodical about hitting the FKT. Or am I just really going to... Uh, tap into the Taoist wisdom and really gonna surrender to whatever the day has to offer to me and just really be humble and and, and, and just take it one step at a time. And uh, I, I didn't really, in hindsight, I didn't really pull the trigger. I was like kind of hung, <laughs> stuck between the two. But um, what I started to realize is that I was stuck between the two because I, at a, a deep level, I just, I have... I still had a lot of attachments to the performance and really being like, okay, I, I have the FKT and at the same time, not trusting that that could come by surrender and, and releasing. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's where, that's where I notice like the surrender is the, is, is the biggest challenge. And so I wonder, I wonder what your perspective is on that. Can you still be like a world-class athlete um, and go to the Olympics, let's say, by surrendering to that extent um or is there like well if you really want to be the one of the best then you just got to suck it up at some point it's like uh i don't know what what, what is your perspective on that well i would say that it is possible because i think what we're surrendering we almost view as like we're surrendering everything but really we're just surrendering the control of the mind mm. right and that's actually mm. just not helpful mm. most of the time. So knowing that, you know, any sort of like high level performance for an age grouper or a professional requires discipline. And so that's where I think like for mm. me, my practices of meditation, breath work, these things, that has developed a really strong level of discipline within myself which is beneficial mm. for everyone, right? Because surrendering doesn't mean just mm. lying in a puddle on the floor and doing nothing, right? Like that's not mm. the way of doing non-doing. And so we need to be engaged. We mm. need to be present. 
that requires some skills that requires some practicing and then we surrender into that experience and so you mm. know there are plenty of athletes out there top tier athletes that have been fueled by proving their dad wrong or w trying to win their love and show mm. that they're good enough right yeah. and that that can take you to the literal top of the world generally when that happens when sport mm ends you know there's substance abuse unhappiness relationships falling apart all of mm. you know a million other things disease like you know unfortunately bad outcomes but there are examples and i don't know elliot kipchoge but my impression from mm. listening to him and watching him is that he is extremely present with his experience he's extremely disciplined mm. with his training mm. and journaling uh, and what he's doing but he also knows it's for a greater good mm. and a greater cause you know he's showing mm. the world stuff that is possible that was thought to be impossible he's you know mm. partnering with nike and reclaiming acres of forest and regenerating nature he's got his training camp where he's facilitating mm. generations of new runners in this way that's quite like a monastery type of vibe in terms of the ethos mm. and philosophy where there is discipline and then there's presence and there's you know surrender to the training mm. the experience the body you know trusting mm. listening all these things so i think that you can certainly be mm. I think if your goal is to be the most creative as possible, then it is necessary to surrender to that because control is a reaction mm. to fear mm. and fear is like the enemy mm. of creativity mm. or the counterpart, mm. you know, like Beautiful. if you are in a state of fear, you're going to be limited to what your capacity is. And mm. that's, you know, when you enter mm. into a psychedelic experience, there's that down regulation mm. of fear and defense, you know, scientifically it shows your brain is able to connect pathways that it never did before. And that manifests as mm. understanding things in ways you never did before connecting dots. You never could before new, like, you know, so mm. many of even mm. the world's most innovative companies today have spawned from psychedelic experiences mm. because we give ourselves an opportunity to get mm. out of that fear scarcity mindset and just be open mm. to the creative potential of the universe, which is immense. Mm. <laughs> it's, it sounds immense for sure. Uh, I like that answer though. Uh, I mean, the thing is, if there's anything I'm excited about, it's it's finding out uh, if that would be true for me. I mean, I've I've gotten to the point where I know things can be done if you really grind. And um, I don't know. Uh, I hope I didn't sound improper when I say Let's suck it up. Maybe I do. So it's like it's not it's not my intention. But uh, it's um, it's the thing I've arrived at is like really. Uh, what I noticed is that's really the main way for me or the biggest impact it has for me is that I just enjoy everything I do so much more. And if that would mean that I perform 1% less, then I, I'll happily sacrifice that 1%. But I, I'm also, 
um, from the belief that I probably don't even have to sacrifice that percent. Uh, but I'm, yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's good to hear your, your take on that. And, um, it makes, it makes a lot of sense. And, um, that's definitely something I'm going to want to rewatch, uh, the way you phrased your, your, yeah, you're, you're not surrendering everything. You're surrendering the, like the sense of control. You're surrendering the, the, all the the minutia of the mind basically uh which just helps you free up so much energy that you can actually fuel into into your effort so yeah that makes that makes um that makes so much sense so here here's a metaphor that just came to me as we were talking about this but something i've been thinking about and i've never measured this you know maybe some people have but like if you're to do mm -hmm. a bike training session on a bike riding around in the roads versus riding on mm. a bike trainer in your garage. You either mm. way you have to suck it up, right? You have to be disciplined because you're going to be putting in the mm. work, but the difference can mm. be if you're riding your bike, you're like, okay, there's a stoplight coming up. There's a car, there's a something on the road. I got to swerve around. There's, pedestrians like mm. there's all of these mm. stresses that our wow. mind is attached to focused mm -hmm. on worried about keeping us safe from mm. not dying mm. essentially but if we're on a bike trainer mm. in, in the garage we have none of that mm. like we are completely safe mm. we're putting in the work mm. and there's also a lot more space for the mind then because it's not occupied by all these dangerous threats mm. to, you know, just be mm. with what is coming up. So if we are surrendered in that experience to just mm. experiencing what we're experiencing in the moment on a bike trainer, that's actually going to be way mm. less physiologically stressful mm. wow. on the road when we're like, wow. have all of these crazy defenses up, which are necessary to not get hit by cars and stuff. Mm. It's mm. more stressful. But if we're on the bike trainer and we can't surrender to the experience mm. and our mind is like going crazy and making up new threats, it's going to be just as physiologically stressful mm. as if there's cars driving around. So, you know, there's mm. kind of these three options in some regard there. So it's like, well, which one are we in? Which one mm. are we choosing consciously? And can we mm. surrender? You know, mm. so that's like one example, whether that's a treadmill or, you know, it's more extreme on a bike, I would say, because yeah. you're, runners are not getting hit by cars as much, mm. but, um, you know, so there's three <laughs> yeah. options and ways that you could practice some level of surrender, you know, while training even. Mm. I love that you touched on the subject that the way you did, because you, you started out by mentioning, I don't know if anyone, uh, I don't know. I don't know of anyone who has measurements on this, but that's exactly my question. Something um, a question I wanted to ask you, um, something I've noticed in, in the work that I do is that, and, and that is where I feel, I don't want to make these statements like on an anecdotal level or based on my own, just on my own experiences. But at the same time, it is something that is so intuitively clear to me that I feel really, really tempted to do it. But... <laughs> I don't know if it's really in the best interest of the people receiving that. So I am now, I wouldn't say desperately, but I would love to be connected to science on topics like this. 
Like, I'm wondering, I mean, there has to be studies, I would hope, on the impact of your stress level on how fast you grow in your performance. Uh, because if there's anything I started to notice in my own experience is that the moment I learned how to down-regulate my nervous system in terms of like shifting between my parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system and really just knowing what it feels like to relax, that's when I feel, feel like my, the growth in my performance really started to skyrocket. And now I can, I can handle training loads I could not even imagine handling only like a couple years ago. And I'm, not even, I'm nowhere near a plateau is what I feel like. But then it's like, what do you say based on one case? And then I, I, when I observe clients, then it's also like, I tend to want to see those things, right? It's like, oh, maybe this person got injured because of the different lifestyle or this or that. But it's also, I mean, it's not a hard thing to make a lot of statements on. So I'm, I wonder, have you in your uh, experience as as a coach come across good science that is supporting any of yeah any statements like this i think that uh, i can't think of anything specifically but i think the problem mm. with science in many ways is that it either requires or is set up to isolate factors right like does mm -hmm. this yeah. gel work for yeah. a better performance and so you try to make the most strict mm scenario for this to this you know and, and an example would be like a supplement okay does this mm -hmm. supplement work so you take the supplement mm -hmm. it, you know 100 people mm -hmm. take it what happens over four weeks but mm -hmm. like even that supplement is an yeah. isolated mineral that really should be consumed in its whole food state which combines mm -hmm. this whole universe yeah. of vitamins and minerals, the experience of how it's chewed and digested and processed. And so mm. it's like, it would be nice if there was science around that, but everyone mm. is so unique from being in utero to wherever they are today. Every experience mm. they've had is completely 100% mm. unique from every other person, you know, like for the longest time, mm. unconsciously, I just assumed mm. my brother, who's a year and a half younger than me, his experience was basically the same as mine, hmm. but it was 1000% different, hmm. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so it's like, how do you test for that then? Right? Like you would have to find yeah. mm. such similar people in such similar states of being. And, you know, there's just so many variables mm. that I don't think mm. like science as constructed mm -hmm. will ever really be able to test that. But mm. I 1,000% mm. agree with yeah. your intuition that, I mean, the mm. body doesn't know what type of stress is what type of stress. Any stress is stress that goes into the bucket of our physiological being. And so if that was a trauma mm. when I was five years old, a torn ACL five years ago, um, a fight with my partner mm. the night before a race, you know, all of these things contribute to our whole mm. system and that contributes to our ability to fully mm. downregulate into low torn dorsal vagal mm. parasympathetic really rest mm. and digest heal regenerate or are we stuck in a higher mm. buzzing mm -hmm. level of like not of high tone dorsal you know 
what, where does all that stuff stack mm-hmm. up? And, you know, for me, that's where it was like, okay, mm-hmm. moving house, renovating, having no kitchen for eight months, having a baby, which the first mm-hmm. 10 days were traumatic, the challenges mm-hmm. of a relationship while trying mm-hmm. to train for an Ironman while stressing out about how much money I was making mm-hmm. and how, if it's enough. And mm-hmm. this, the stress bucket mm-hmm. was overflowed. And when that's the case, like mm-hmm. wounds don't heal as fast. Injuries don't heal as fast. We're more susceptible mm-hmm. to injury. Mm-hmm. We can't digest and take mm-hmm. on board the nutrition as optimally in our bodies. It's like I would, mm-hmm. you know, it's almost like lactic acid. You know, when you're in that state where the lactic acid is built up and it feels like swollen and dense in your muscles mm-hmm. in your body that is like what your Mm. whole system is experiencing under high stress and you're unable to flush that out. Mm. Mm. And so, Mm. yeah, tapping and being able to learn or relearn how to get into those deep states of rest and cultivate that is just as important as pushing Mm. at the high end in terms of importance. Mm. But it's a lot harder for people because like we said, like there's a level of unsafety to go into that, you know, Mm. to have a nap in the middle of the day, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm. that's like needed a lot of the time, but we don't Mm. allow that for ourselves. Exactly. Exactly. You talked about um, safety earlier, which is obviously a really important component. I mean, if not the most crucial component, if you start to do work on that level with someone, I feel like my search for <laughs> for data or science on, on a topic like this would be in, in, in pursuit of trying to create a safe environment for someone to feel comfortable to really go into that work, not necessarily because he wants to improve his relationship or like his situation at work or, or whatsoever, but if anything, to just improve performance. But let's say so now yeah i mean i'm totally with you that having that kind of research would be difficult the kind of science would be difficult what are different ways for you how would you go about creating that level of safety and maybe i don't know just setting the stage for people to be curious about what could it mean for me to learn how to be more relaxed or how what if i learn how to do a couple of do a couple of things less in my week, which would have like a significant impact on my, on my performance and overall joy of the, of, of the process. If, because I feel, and maybe I'm just projecting because, uh, again, I'm an engineer. I feel I would have looked at science in the past and if science said so, then, okay, I can give it a go. But are there different, are there different ways if there's not going to be any science anytime soon? <laughs> Yeah, I think so. Um, I think one, you know, it's hard to do anything that useful without awareness. And so becoming aware of like, Mm. how safe Mm. do I feel? You know, if I get an email at 7 p.m. from my boss, Mm. what is that inner experience Mm. like? Am I like stressed Mm. out? Am I worried it's something bad? You know, that Mm. would be a great sign of like not necessarily feeling safe in yourself. Um, if your partner challenges you mm. in some way, how do you react? Do you shut down and get silent? Do you go out for a mm. run? Do you get defensive and fight back? You know, that would be another like interesting mm. 
experience, you know, often it's in relationship, you know, the boss and the email, the relationship, a child could definitely spark that. A parent Mm. certainly could. Um, So it's Mm. like, okay, like how on edge am I would be like a good thing to start to become Mm. more aware Mm. of, Um, you know, Mm. because in sport, it's like, we know we're going to stress ourselves and it's a healthy stress because we're choosing it. Same with like a cold plunge or, you know, different Mm. things like that. Um, Mm. and then something I've been working with lately is it's like, was there a time in my life or the client's life that you did feel safe and just totally relaxed, you know, trying to like tap into what that memory Mm. is and what it felt like in the body in that time, because our body, you know, essentially doesn't know time. Mm. So we should and could be able to Mm. tap into that visceral Mm. experience in our physiology. And then Mm. just like, you know, through meditative practice, like what would that feel like right now? What would it feel like right now in my body to just feel Mm. totally safe, you know, to feel totally held by the earth, by my Mm. environment, knowing that the trees are providing oxygen and my body's doing exactly what it needs to do. And just kind of slowing down and try to mm. have an embodied feeling of what that would feel like. Mm. And, you know, you can just do that anytime and be like, oh, that is not how I feel most of the time, mm. right? Or maybe oh, I am actually do feel like mm. that a lot of the <laughs> time and that would be great. And then from there, I would say, mm. you know, there's the time right when we're falling asleep and right when we're waking up where we're in sort of a theta mind uh, brain state. And that is like mm. when we're sort of more impressionable um, and can sort of take in this sort of experience. Mm. So you could do this practice like right before bed and first thing in the morning before you even get up is just like spend mm. 10 minutes. Like mm. I'm safe. I'm held. What does that feel like? And mm. our body is going to start to reconnect mm. to that experience and our, uh, that'll start mm. to like be wow. more of how we are anchored into that basically. Because wow. it's so easy to wake up and be like, okay, check my email, got to have a coffee, get to work, whatever, mm. you know. Wow. And it's like we go straight into like mm. stressed out mode rather than like can we kind of just set the little yeah. foundation to start the day of like I'm safe. I am like I can handle whatever comes up today. I know I can. My mm. body is here to support me. Beautiful. I, I like a, a light bulb went on just as you were explaining that. I um, when I go on the Vipassana retreats, the um, well, the teacher obviously that's now he's like on videotapes. He's uh, he at some point in the course, he mentions like you actually can go and do the same practice before you go to sleep. And it's actually very beneficial. It's probably the exact same reason why you just the, as the what you explained that you actually have this time window where your uh, subconscious is even more impressionable and that you can actually feel. Um, yeah, you go into a different mode maybe when you go to sleep. So mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense. It also makes a lot of sense that when I go and meditate in the in the evening, I usually get up pretty calmly. And then sometimes, like the days when I don't, I get up in the morning and I'm like immediately thinking about stuff that I also went to to sleep with. So it's like it's such a 
it's just such a powerful way to to break um break that cycle so i like that you shared that about um the data was it right the data um, yeah brainwaves yeah, yeah. Uh, theta yeah mm. And so there is science around yeah. stuff like that, you know, if you're interested in looking at it. I know like Bruce Lipton and yeah. Joe Dispenza, these type of people yeah. of like heart math, mm. you know, doing a lot of work with that. And that again yeah. is a lot about coherence. You mm. know, your your mind is getting in coherence with mm. your heart. It's returning yeah. again to that pace of nature mm. and the mm. the flow of your mm. body rather than being going ten times faster. Mm. And so there's lots of little practices, you know. I find mm. You know, if we're busy and we got lots of stuff mm -hmm. going on, writing that to-do list for tomorrow, the night before, then you don't have to lie in bed and think about it over and over and over mm -hmm. and over, you know, but it's, <laughs> it's a tough habit to break. I actually was like lying yeah. in bed, not going to bed yet, but we we're just like, um, our son was just falling asleep. So I was just lying there, you know, and I started mm -hmm. replying to an email in my mind and I just started laughing to myself. I was like, how many emails mm -hmm. have I written in my mind? <laughs> you know, over the years, like <laughs> so many emails. And now it's like, I'll be, I'll start the first line of an email occasionally and be like, no, nope, not right now. <laughs> I can catch it. But like, <laughs> it's so funny, I think. And I can imagine yeah. that's probably something that other people have experienced yeah. too. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> yes, very much. And there was one other thing I wanted to ask when you were describing, you were describing how awareness can guide us into noticing the importance of knowing how to relax and creating a sense of safety in our own bodies. I feel though that the thing that got me to doing that was severe struggles with um, anxiety. I think if I would have never had that, I, I don't know if I would have ever gone down that road because it had to get really really bad before i started to consider i just the notion of just turning inward became a notion so I'm, I'm curious do you feel like you could tell someone that it might be helpful to pay attention to what's going on but then again you quickly become aware that there's a lot of sensations and Yes, sensations that you maybe haven't experienced in a while that can become pretty uncomfortable quickly. So I feel there's always like some kind of incentive that you need to kind of go into that space. Is it possible to go into that space without having gone through like a traumatizing experience? Or do you feel in your experience that it's like, well, no, you first have to go like through shit and then you come, <laughs> can't come out the other way i don't know like what's your what's your take on that yeah well i definitely do think that like crisis inspires change and the urgency for mm. it and that's been my <laughs> experience personally and certainly i think mm. for a lot of people that has been the case you know things are really bad and however that's mm. manifesting and so it's like, I just can't keep going. Mm. So I got to do something about it. And maybe I'll do anything, mm. you know, like that's mm. why I went and did a Vipassana myself and went to Thailand. I was like, I will do anything to feel better at this mm. point. Yeah, Like it's <laughs> yes. like a crazy yes. thing to do, but mm. you know, then you end up learning all this other <laughs> stuff and you know, the, the journey begins. But I do think that there are more mm. people that, 
aren't yet in crisis that are being motivated to do this work and go into it. Mm. Sometimes that mm. makes mm. it harder to bump against that resistance and have the drive or inspiration to go through it and beyond it. Especially if you don't have like a mm. coach or a mentor mm. or a guide, because I think that mm. is so, so, mm -hmm. so, so helpful. I wish I would have found somebody and worked with that mm. sort of like, leadership and guide somebody with more experience than me when I was 20, you know, mm. I think like that would have been very helpful, yeah. oh. <laughs> but instead it was like in my thirties. And so, um, mm. that's uh, one thing. So I think, would you have had the openness? I, <laughs> when you were 20, do you well, feel like you would No, probably not, you know, probably not because I thought I was <laughs> doing sweet <laughs> until I wasn't. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah. But mm. so, yeah, it's hard to tell somebody that isn't ready to hear, you know, you can't hear what you're not ready to hear. There's mm -hmm. this kind of no way around that. I mean, the classic saying, yeah. you can only mm. lead a horse to water. You can't make a drink. And so there has mm -hmm. to be some mm -hmm. interest in drinking at least from there. I think then mm. having a coach or a mm. guide that you trust and being willing to like follow their, their um, guidance is, is really helpful, but so it doesn't mm -hmm. always require crisis. It unfortunately can be mm -hmm. helpful um, and inspire mm -hmm. quicker, more urgent mm -hmm. change. Um, so mm -hmm. it really depends. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, you know, the sitting with your emotions and mm -hmm. how uncomfortable that feels because you've been pushing it away your whole life. You know, the reality is this path is challenging. You know, the more awareness you have of everything going on, the mm -hmm. more you're able to open your heart and be with your emotions. Mm -hmm. Like it isn't easier, mm -hmm. I would say, like pretty clearly, mm -hmm. but it is more fulfilling. Mm -hmm. There's mm -hmm. more joy. There's more mm -hmm. pain. There's more happiness, mm -hmm. but you can be with it all mm -hmm. and know that you're going to be mm -hmm. okay. You know, I mm -hmm. remember something with my heart mm. is like my heart can be open. It can endure everything because mm. it has nothing that I've experienced in my life. It's scary though. <laughs> it's yeah, it is. And that's, but that's the mind, right? Your heart's not scared. Your heart's mm. not scared to experience mm. love mm -hmm. and pain and mm -hmm. joy and anger. And mm. it's just here to mm. experience that. And it has mm. the capability to experience it all to the extreme that is possible and none mm. of that would hurt or destroy your heart. It's just the mind's construct of mm. fear around that, which is very real. Like it is very challenging to deconstruct that and to change that. But mm. the reality is like our mm. truest self and our capacity is so great if we allow it. Mm. 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 Beautiful. Oh, beautiful. I was going to ask another question, but I feel I'm going to, I want to be mindful of our time and just, just respect your time and because I'm really appreciative that you were so generous of being here uh, for two hours straight. So, uh, because I know if I ask that question, there's going to be another <laughs> question and there's going to be like tens, tens and dozens of more questions um, because yeah, this is the stuff I'm just so fascinated with. I just, um, I just love learning about this and it's, um, 
it's just so cool to to learn from someone who has clearly also just who is walking the path who's not just studying the path who's not just reading books about the path but is also just um walking his talk so as a as a, a final uh, part and um or the the closing to this this episode I'm, I'm really just curious where where you feel you're at in in in, in your journey in in recovering uh your nervous system uh, it's been a through line throughout this, this this conversation and obviously the last section was had a lot to do with it as well. So uh, I'm just curious to hear where, where do you feel you're, you're at? What do you think a couple of uh, the next weeks and months look like for you? Yeah, it's hard to know. Um, I do feel like I've recently like emerged from a dark cave, <laughs> I will say. So there's a level of excitement mm. and optimism oh, that is coming through that. Um, mm. but I'm also trying to consciously mm. continue to listen to my body and take it slow. You know, my, mm. my old self would be mm. like, I'm better. Let's go run 10 K and do a huge bike ride. Mm. And, and so to be more like, okay, let's just run a couple miles, you know, let's just see how that feels. And let's, mm. you know what, I'm going to take the day off and, and then later that day be like, okay, I have to do something, feel that, that pull to do something, to be productive, to achieve. And then being like, oh no, like, mm. that's okay. We're going to take the day off. Like we don't <laughs> have to do that. And that's uncomfortable. But on the other side, there's like, oh, I did it. I listened. Mm. I gave myself exactly what I needed and that's empowering. Mm. And then there's more confidence for the next time that resistance mm. comes up to, work with that and so today I feel so much better than I did four weeks ago but what am I going to feel like in four mm. weeks from now I don't know you know I hope mm. that it continues along mm. this path but I also know you know not to be attached to a linear trajectory because it is ups and downs and mm. sideways and backwards mm. experiences and mm. and all of that and um in this nervous system journey, I, I found a teacher, uh, her name's Irene Lyon, and she has some incredible content mm -hmm. on, on her YouTube and website. And she's got a short program on her website that you can do at your own pace. And she does a 12 week program mm -hmm. that I'm currently in right now. And we're just over halfway through and her mm -hmm. work has really, really, really mm -hmm. helped me educate learn the context oh. and also the slow subtle practices and why that's important. Um, and that is really like integrated mm. into my other practices. So I'm really trying to trust the slow process mm. and, you know, even be like, okay, if I just go mm. really slow all year this year, then maybe next year I'll be ready to like, you know, take on some ambitious challenges but be in a place where I have the capacity mm. to recover and push and have mm. that ap adaptations and navigate the stress in a more mindful, more sustainable mm. way. Mm. Mm. So we'll see. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm glad to hear you're feeling, you're feeling better than you did four weeks ago, but I can definitely also feel that, uh, you're still yeah just taking it one day one day at a time and uh, i i hope you're on that uh let's say no it doesn't have to be linear but i hope the trajectory keeps um improving for you uh from here on forward uh 
and uh, that you can soon yeah be be part of those experiences that yeah I'm sure or well I'm sure you mentioned it yourself you also you kind of started to feel a little excitement for triathlon again maybe with a different attitude but uh, I'm definitely looking forward to what goals you pick up however soon that might be yeah thank you I appreciate it yeah I'm excited because now that I know about this nervous system stuff and I know how dysregulated mine was it's like oh mm. wow once I heal this to an extent mm. my capacity for performance and mm. recovery and to take on nutrition wow. and to enjoy the process is going to be mm. so much greater that the performance will be better mm. you know just due to all of that mm. but ultimately it'll just be a more fun mm. enjoyable experience wow. so Yeah, I'm excited for that and it's it's mm. happening. It's just mm. the like, you know, early stages and I'm I'm done shoveling the coal in and now mm. I'm uh figuring out the instructions for the solar and wind <laughs> system. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful. That's a, yeah, that's a beautiful way to to I don't know, I feel that brings the whole episode to full circle. So I mean, honestly with uh yeah, With with that being said, uh, Ryan, I just really want to uh, thank you for for being here. Um, I'm I'm really grateful for the time we we got to spend and for the questions I got to ask. I feel usually I really try to dive into the mind of the listener when I go into these podcast conversations and I really try to like at least like fifty percent try to ask questions that listeners would want to ask themselves as well. But I feel like <laughs> in this one I was just like these two hours are, are mine so i just hope that uh, that uh, the listeners found it uh, insightful as well but i i kind of think they uh they will um yeah it was it was good stuff i've uh, marked at least 19 <laughs> clippings uh, and i try to not overdo it so it's uh yeah there's just a lot of wisdom in this one um it's uh, it's something like i said i could keep on talking about but uh I'm I'm grateful I'm grateful for the time you had and uh, thank you so much for uh, yeah thank for you it was on. fun I really enjoy talking about this and sharing it so I appreciate the opportunity cool thank you so much and uh, yeah maybe yeah. until next time sounds good bye bye. And that was it for today. Make sure to share the number one thing that sticks from this conversation with us on Instagram or LinkedIn. You can find us at inthezone.coaching on Instagram and at inthezonecoaching on LinkedIn. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye.